This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the first place I go to keep my business skills sharp. They offer over 150,000 books on business, finance, planning, and much more. They also have a great selection of fiction that keeps me entertained when I'm just not up for some serious content. I love it because I can buy a book, download it to my iPhone, and listen while running errands or at the gym. Get your free trial at freelancershow.com slash audible. This episode is brought to you by CodeSchool. CodeSchool offers interactive online courses in Ruby, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and iOS. Their courses are fun and interesting and include exercises for the student. To level up your development skills, go to freelancershow.com slash CodeSchool. This episode is brought to you by ProXPN. If you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you never know who might be listening. With ProXPN, you no longer have to worry. ProXPN is a VPN solution which sends all of your traffic over a secure connection to one of their servers around the world. To sign up, go to ProXPN.com and use the promo code TMTCS, short for Teach Me to Code Screencasts, to get 10% off for life. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 138 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. Reuven Lerner. Hi, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. Before we get going too far, I know that some segment of our audience are programmers, and I'm pulling together a remote conference for JavaScript developers. So if you're interested, you can go to jsremoteconf.com and get information, sign up. It's going to be online, so no matter where you are, we're there. This week, in fact, it's kind of apropos a little bit to our topic. We're going to be talking about planning and goals for the next year. And this is one of the things I'm working on for next year. So I'm curious, what do you guys do to plan out your your year? Or do you plan a year in advance? I've been doing a bunch of things. I This year, I think I found something that works good for me. But this is like, you know, the first year I've really done it. Uh, in the past, I would say like, you know, what's my goal for next year? Like, you know, maybe income or for a while there, I had like income from products or do like write a book, you know, it's like a kind of a, a big milestone. And for me, I found like those didn't really work good. Like the whole point is to motivate yourself to like, you know, move forward towards this thing. And every time like I would procrastinate or I wouldn't really I'd be like, oh, it's February. I have time. I don't really need to start on this. And then near the end of the year, I would kind of be like, oh, shoot, it's November now. I need to start writing this book to get it out. And so the whole, the motivation of having that like big thing at the end of the year never worked for me. And I always beat myself up about it. I've just, it, you know, it might work for some people. So this year, what I did, let me actually go over to it. I actually, at the top of my to-do list, which is just a text file, I have three systems that I actually want to work on. It's not necessarily like I want them done by the end of the year, but I want to start building and improving this. And so like every day and then every week when I do a weekly review, I can see like, okay, here's the systems. Let's make sure like the stuff I'm doing day to day are actually building towards these systems. And that's actually worked pretty good. I mean, there are two of them I've actually done good on. One is like exercise every day and one is write every day. And I've actually done that every single day this year, except for like a couple days, which I missed. Um, and the third one, it's a more of a longer term one, but it's November right now. I feel I've done a lot more this year than I have any other year as far as like got progress towards stuff. And another thing that I did is kind of related to the systems as I built kind of the other, I think it's like seven habits, like seven daily habits that I would do every day consistently. And I think one of them I've been doing, I've had like a 270 day streak on. And so the nice thing about the, that sort of idea is I can look back, you know, at the very end of this year and be like, okay, this year I, here's actually measurable progress of what I've done over last year. They might not be big things. They might not be like my life has completely changed, but it's like I can see this incremental growth that I've done. 
And I think for me, like that works better. That's more of a motivator. I can kind of keep doing a daily action for it. Oh, very nice. What about you, Reuven? I'm not so good at planning, but <laughs> but I, I've started, I've been doing a lot of thinking the last few months, basically since finishing the PhD about, okay, well, what do I want to do with my time? How do I want to, you know, what, what do I want to change in terms of my consulting business? And I've already started changing a bunch of things. And I would say next year, I really want to start cementing it. And I would say I, could, I can divide it into three different parts, maybe. You know, one would be marketing, that I really realize I need to be marketing myself better and differently. And that means, I mean, I, I've gotten good responses in general when I do blogging, which is nice, so I need to do that more often. I mean, Eric's, Eric's very impressive in how often he writes. So I, I know when I was blogging very regularly, I was really enjoying it and even starting to see the fruits of the labor, and then I just sort of broke it off. But I also saw a lot of benefits from doing some email courses. I've done one already, and so I want to do some more of those. And I keep getting intrigued by the whole idea of drip marketing. I mean, once again, Eric, you have this thing about what it's like to work with me that I think is just fantastic. And I think having something like that, but something longer term than just a few a few days would be really good. I mean, so that's in terms of marketing. But I've also been thinking in terms of products, that it's really time for me to start moving into products. So I've got my ebook that I, I'm slowly but surely finishing up. Hopefully by the time this comes out, the book will be done and I'll be doing the videos for those packages. I'll hopefully do another ebook, maybe do some online courses and some courses on my own as opposed to with a training company. And then in terms of services, I keep thinking, well, maybe I can productize some of my services, but I don't see anything hugely different in what I'm offering people, except maybe just sort of being smarter about, well, the first two things, how I market it and what products I'm offering. But I don't have a concrete plan. These are just things that I've sl- slowly but surely been moving toward. And I definitely feel like I'm spending more time doing these things and doing the right things. It's just going to be some time before I see the payoff. Very nice. It's really interesting. You know, um, you guys kind of thumbnailed out some big picture things. And I like how you, Eric, broke things down into like, I'm going to be doing this every day. I've kind of approached things from a, kind of a similar standpoint in the sense that I have some kind of big rocks that I want to put into my year. So I want to be able to speak a little bit more, you know, just go out and speak at conferences. I've not actually really been impressed with my ability to speak. And so uh, one of the things that's on my list is to go to the SCORE conference. That's S-C-O-R-R-E. And basically, you know, it's a week-long training on speaking. And, you know, I'm really uh, excited to to get that, that stuff going. You know, and so I kind of can break this down. Where a lot of this comes from, I need to back up a little bit, is that I really had several people from several sources either directly speaking to me or on podcasts or other venues that I listened to or went to talking about finding that core, that thing that that drives you. And I realized that mainly what I want to do is I want to be able to empower people. I want to be able to help people. And mostly it's uh, around either programming or podcasting, mostly programmers actually, and just find ways to open doors for them and or help them realize what their potential is or things like that. And so speaking for me is a good way to, uh, I, I think I have some messages that I can share that can help people that way. And so that's where the speaking comes in. That's also where some of the other projects I'm working on come in, like the JS Remote Conf that I mentioned earlier, and Rails Clips, which is a video series that I keep postponing. But, you know, so Rails Clips is about teaching people technical skills that will allow them to do better in their career, solve problems at work, make their lives easier, all of that stuff. 
you know, the speaking fits in nicely there and the conference fits in there. And then I also have a product that I want to put out there that will help podcasting kind of take off a little bit more. And that's FeedWrench, which is, I've been kind of selling it as a feed burner replacement, but what it really is, is it's a system that will allow you to track and systematize to a certain degree, the engagement for your podcast and provide things like reports for sponsors and things like that so that you can give them real numbers and help them understand what the benefit is for uh, sponsoring your show or things like that. So, you know, I, I have these ideas of things that I want to do to help people. So those are kind of the big rocks in there. And then, yeah, I've been breaking it down into, okay, what do I need to do in order to make these things realities in the way that I want over the course of the year. And so the conference, you know, I'm working on that a lot now because it's in February, but I'm planning on doing another one or two at least next year for other audiences, you know, maybe for this audience and for the Ruby audience, you know, so I have ideas for that. And then just gather information and find out what people really need and then be able to address those either by speaking or providing uh, products or webinars or whatever it is to do that. And then, you know, I can break it down and figure out what I need. So for example, with rails clips, it's not just the videos, but you know, through the marketing, I'm looking at doing things like webinars that are going to help people out and stuff like that. And sure, you know, I get attention and I get benefit from it, but at the same time, it's a way for me to give to the people who are supporting the shows and let them really kind of, you know, gain from the effort that I'm putting forward and not necessarily give back to me in money all the time, but, you know, just in appreciation or, you know, their attention. So I can go into more details about the stuff that I'm kind of planning out and I need to actually sit down and write it down. But those are kind of the big things for my 24 or 2015. I think there's one thing, James Alcher, I can't pronounce people's names, but he basically, he's written a lot of books. Um, And one thing I really got out of his stuff was he's also has a lot of the focus, like mine of like daily stuff, like what you do every day actually is what builds who you are and your life. Um, but he says he focuses on four areas every day, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, which is kind of interesting. I mean, you can take that to be whatever they mean to you. Like, I'm not religious, so spiritual to me means something different from Chuck. You know, and physical to me is going to mean something different to physical to someone else. But what's interesting is like throughout his writing, like he talks about how he makes it so every day he's doing some kind of task like that or he's working towards some goal. But it's not just one goal. Like Chuck, you're talking about like a lot of business ones, but the business ones are to Mm -hmm. support someone else. Yeah. So you could almost say like you have a spiritual goal of like you want to empower, you know, these the different audiences you talked about. And so it kind of takes it outside of just this one area of your life and kind of makes it more widespread. So it's not just a, oh, I'm working on this. It's like, no, this is like actually what you live and breathe. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what it comes down to for me. I don't necessarily like the terms calling or whatever, but it's where I choose to serve. It really is. It it ties directly into who I am and, you know, how I see myself in, you know, not just the business sense, but the, you know, in, in kind of a spiritual sense too. So I I think that's interesting. I wonder a little bit, though, so do you have designs, Eric, to do things in all four areas every day? Not yet. I mean, that's, it's like I said, it's on my to-do list. It's one of those I've been reviewing and thinking about. I have, like I said, I have stuff for exercise. I have stuff for mental. I'm working on stuff for spiritual. And so it's like I'm building toward it. I'm trying to, like, look at the habits I want to do or the habits that I hear about, like, 
you know, success, successful writer or successful entrepreneur has. And I try to like, would this fit into my life? Would it fit into what I believe in? But I haven't actually like really sat down and, you know, slotted things into the different areas yet. But it is something I'm kind of looking at. The reason I ask is because it seems to play a little bit into the idea of work-life balance and not in the sense of work-life balance that I tend to embrace. I feel like work-life balance is having the right ebb and flow. And if you don't let it ebb in certain areas so you can flow into others, then you don't have a a solid work-life balance. I I think a lot of people have this mythical work-life balance where it's like, okay, if I spend three hours a day on business, two hours a day on physical, one hour a day with my family, and two hours a day with this, then I have the perfect balance every day and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, it's it's the idea of what balance actually means and that you're not leaning too far one way versus equality. Like you don't have an equal work and you don't have an equal life. Like, and I feel the same way. Like it's work-life balance can be different for different people at different times. It's that you feel happy with how your commitments are for everything. I'm kind of curious. Have you done this for past years? Either of you guys? No, I mean, (laughs) well, for many, many years, I kept saying, boy, as soon as I finish the PhD, I have so many things I want to do. Now I feel like freed. I'm like, wow, now I really can pursue it. It's like, I mean, just in the last, what, two months, I've done this ebook, and I've got two small sites that I've put up, and I just feel so excited that I'm working on new and different things. But I think it does seem very smart to sort of sit down, because there's not infinite time. It seems very smart to sit down and say, okay, what am I going to concentrate on in the next year that I can really accomplish? But really, I've never, ever done this sort of planning other than aspiring to be able to do these things at all. How about you, Eric? Uh, like I said, the way I'm doing it this year where it's more focused on habits and systems and behaviors versus like you know achievements, that's new to me this year. Even before I started my business, I had kind of the annual goals. And I, I used to do what a lot of the uh, personal development stuff talks about where you know, break down your annual goals into like quarterly goals and then monthly goals. And then each week, make sure you have stuff that fulfills and I've done that. And like I said, that's why I know that kind of formulation doesn't work for me. But yeah, I've, al- I've always been very long-term, long-planning, goal-focused. Like in college, I had goals of like, I want to start a business. I want to become a millionaire. I want to, you know, and I'm not just talking like, you know, vague stuff. It was pretty specific. I didn't know what I was doing, which is why a lot of them didn't work. Or once I kind of achieved some of them, I realized like I didn't really want it. But, you know, I've always had that. I always had that kind of focus. That's interesting. I'm really curious because I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to pick something for this year and then I'm going to be scrambling to, you know, meet my goals at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard. Like the the hard part I had was I would want to pick something large enough that I would feel like it actually was an accomplishment. But most of the time, those large things, I, like I said a minute ago, I had no clue how to get there or what it actually entailed. Like a couple years back, I had my goal was like, I want to build a SaaS product and have it create 50% of my revenue, you know, so product revenue. I didn't know how to, I knew how you physically build a SaaS product, but I didn't know how to build a SaaS business. I didn't know how to market a product. And, you know, it was in hindsight, looking back, it was very immature. Like I wasn't ready to do that goal. And even if I broke it down into like this next month, I need to start writing the software and start a, a blog for it. It's really, really hard to plot your end state and work your way backwards to where you are now and know like this is the path you're going to go. You know, there's a lot of speed bumps. There's a lot of failures along the way. So does it make more sense then to look at some of the habits that you can start and then kind of extrapolate where you can wind up? Or do you want to pick things that, you know, think might you might fail at? I don't know. 
I mean, it, it's, I think it depends on yourself. I mean, I think you should give both a try. The habits, like I, I talked about this on Twitter yesterday, I was just chatting. Like, I'll even open my app. Like, I never did yoga before this year. And just on a whim, I started doing it. And as of right now, I'm up to 283 days of it in a streak. I've been doing writing, but my writing's been in, you know, spurts and stops. Like, you know, yeah, I wrote a book, but then I wouldn't write for like six months afterwards. And now I have 274 days of writing every day. And it's not like I'm writing a book, and like all those days are accumulating there, but it's the habit of writing. It's the getting over the fear of it. It's, you know, knowing that I could sit down and if I have to write something, I can do it. And so, you know, building that confidence, building that habit and kind of practicing on it, you know, that's kind of helped me reinforce, like, I know how to write, I know how to exercise, I know how to do this stuff. And I can do that. And so now if I had, say I had a book deal come my way, I could say like, yeah, I, I could confidently do this book deal in two months or whatever. And, you know, do the same with whatever goal. So you had one about speaking, you know, maybe uh, you should practice a speech every day or try to give some kind of presentation once a week and, you know, take incremental steps towards, you know, your long-term goal instead of mapping it out in reverse. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely feel like the incremental steps is like, is like crucial. I mean, because you're not going to see or feel progress in a lot of these things day to day. It's just going to be after weeks or months that you're going to be able to look back and say, oh, wow, I actually did a lot. Right. I mean, and Nathan Berry is one of the more popular people where he was talking, I think he did it for a little over a year, but he was writing a thousand words a day. And he has a blog post, I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. But he kind of reflected back of like what that did for him and did for his business and his life. And I mean, it's, it's that daily stuff that, you know, it's, if you make it easy to do and you make it so it's not a lot of pressure to do, like you can accomplish a lot with that. Um, I actually, my newsletter um, this week, I wrote about how, you know, I'm running now, like I can easily run a half marathon distance and it's no sweat to me. And I've only been running three or four years, you know, and it's because wow. I've got into the habit of running over and over. And I think I mentioned on the show, like I'm training. So next year I can do a 50 K, you know, an ultra marathon. It's like 30 something miles. I never even knew that those existed. I never had that idea until I kind of got into the habit and kind of identified like, this is something I want to do. This is something that puts more into my life than it takes away. And I've just been slowly reinforcing that loop and making it stronger. So how much absolutism do you give to that? I mean, are there days where you don't work out because you feel like you have too many other things going on? Or do you make it a priority and sacrifice somewhere else? These are both good. It's either tiny habits or mini habits. One is a book. One is kind of an online, a free online course by a researcher. I think that's Stanford or something. But in the book one, I think it's mini habits, but it talks about where you make daily habits that are so small that if you break it, like you feel like you've really screwed up. And I mean, we're talking like do one push up a day. My writing habit is to write 50 words a day. My yoga habit, which is a larger one than what he recommended, is four minutes of yoga a day. You know, some days I'll do 10 minutes of yoga or I'll write, you know, 3,000 words or I do, you know, 20, 30 push-ups, but I don't have to. And so there's been days where I've, I've been sick. I've been, you know, in the bathroom puking or whatever. I can still get those habits in. I can still feel the accomplishment. And there are some days I just don't. Like when I traveled, I broke the streaks on a few of them because I just, I was so busy. I went to bed and forgot all about them. 
Um, but then there's been like the push-up one. Like I went to bed and forgot to do push-ups and I actually did one push-up laying in bed while my wife was sleeping. So that's kind of the, the point of that whole idea is like you have something so small that it's near impossible for you to screw it up. Yeah, but what about the big things, the ones that you can't just do in a minute? So for example, you know, if I'm going to practice a talk, I'm probably, I could do a five-minute talk, I guess. But, you know, if I'm preparing for a marathon, I mean, there are days where you have to run for an hour or two hours. Yeah. And I mean, that stuff, like I, for how much I run, I don't, I actually don't do running as a habit because part of running and training is you need rest days. Like, so I I tried it for a while. Like I want to run every day and it actually hurt my body more. And I started to not look forward to running. And for me, running is a release. that's kind of a time away from the world. And so when I noticed that and had kind of, you know, a bit of review about it, I decided like, I like running and I would like it as a habit, but I'd rather it be a habit that I enjoy. And so I have just exercise or I think I have a body weight exercise. So that could be some additional push-ups or a pull-up or something like that. And the bigger one, like running, like that's just factors into it. You know, if I do my other habits that kind of help me stay physically healthy, the running can kind of build on top of it. And so, you know, even if like two weeks ago, I wasn't feeling good. So I took a week off of running, but I still did my other habits. So I kept the fitness I had, but let my running, kind of my running muscles recover. Hmm, I mean, you got to be flexible with it. I think like you got to figure out what works for you. I know some people like they like putting pressure on themselves and that motivates them. And I found pressure doesn't motivate me. It actually causes me to kind of lock up in situations. So like for you, like you know, if you're doing speaking, your habit could be something simple, like do one thing towards speaking. And it could be either, you know, giving a speech, it could be writing one out, it could be finding like three really nice photos you want to include in a presentation, it could be reading an article about it, you know, or listen to a podcast about a voice or speaking stuff like you could even make it where your habit is to work on a project and you kind of define 20 or 30 tasks in the project that you can pick up based on your energy level. Yeah, that makes sense. I have to say that one thing I do like about this is that I listen to a lot of Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas, and uh, a lot of the folks there, they you know, they get in and they're like, you know, if you can make a habit out of working on whatever it is that you're working toward one hour a day or you know a half hour a day and just make progress toward it, a lot of times, you know, that's what gets you there. It's not the three day with no sleep, you know, living on pizza push that does it. You know, it's that steady progress that gets you there. And then the steady progress that allows you to continue to succeed there. Right. And I mean, I want to say the book is called The Talent Code, but I might be wrong on it. But that's actually how our brains work. So we have like neurons, which kind of, that's like the wiring, like where electrical impulses go. And that's what causes thoughts. And so when you do an action, like even like picking up your phone, like it's a specific motor action, like your neurons are firing in a certain sequence. What they found is the more times you pick up your phone, if you do it the same way, there's actually, I think it's called myelin. It's like an insulator, just like how copper wire has insulation that starts coding that circuit. And so the more often you do a habit, the more coding, the more insulation it gets, which makes it faster, it makes it stronger. And that's how you get these kind of, I don't know what's called, like the, the different responses. Like, if you go to like a professional football player and just throw a football at him, he's going to grab it. Like it's, he doesn't even have to think about it. He doesn't have to have his brain see there's a football coming and say, Oh, I should move this way. He just has this instantaneous response to it. And it's the same thing with habits. Like 
it's also this is why bad habits work and they're so hard to break regular constant use of something over and over and practice of it it builds your brain and actually strengthens those pathways and it also will that's how you can destroy bad habits because you're strengthening like an alternate route so you don't go through like a bad way I think it's talent code, but he talks about how like world class, like top level musicians work and athletes work and all that. And it's, the science actually backs all this up now. It's definitely true that if you start doing something on a regular basis and then you stop doing it, you miss it, right? And so making these habits part of making these activities part of your daily routine is important. I mean, when, when I was living in Chicago, so I walked to and from the university every day, and it was about a four mile walk in each direction. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And people thought I was crazy. And they're like, how do you have the time for this? And I, it, it, it was such a part of my day that I couldn't imagine not doing it. And now I look back, I think, oh, my God, how did I have two hours each day just to walk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but it was great. And, and it, it just became a part of my schedule. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of advice out there about picking a goal and working towards it. And I, I think there is some about kind of picking habits and working towards those, but it's, they're not as prevalent as like, you know, what's your New Year's resolution? And I think it's, it's a good alternative, especially if you found like a big goal at the end of the year doesn't work for you, doesn't motivate you. Like if you focus on daily habits and just start with one and just do it for a month, maybe two months, maybe even three or four months, like don't rush into it, don't pressure yourself into it. That's a nice, good alternative. And the thing about mine that I picked is I want to have these habits in 20 years. Like I still want to be doing at least a push up a day in 20 years from now. I still want to be doing yoga or some sort of stretching like that every day. And I think that's important. So you don't have this, you know, this huge sprint to get to this thing and then you kind of fall back, like what you're talking about if you're walking. Yeah, I really like that idea too, where you know, you focus on building habits instead of big accomplishments. And I don't think that it's wrong to focus on the accomplishments. But by making them a habit, you get that ability to do things sort of automatically. Right. And the accomplishments are good. I mean, I use those for my running. Like I said, like, okay, this half marathon I'm training for or this ultra marathon I'm training for. But I found if I put too much emphasis on that, if I don't hit that, like say I got injured one year and I couldn't do a race or I did another race and it was like I did so poorly because of weather and other circumstances, it actually hurt me and made it so I couldn't get out and run. And then it actually caused that entire season just to go down the drain. And so I focused too much on the accomplishment, on the, you know, getting the prize at the end and not so much on the journey of, you know, every day, every week I'm doing something towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So There's what- actually one thing I want to share real quick. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a, a way better one I've seen, but I found it. I got it from a doctor, like a naturopathic doctor um, I went to go to for like some allergy testing. But it's part of like their, their intake questionnaire of like, you know, do you do drugs? Do you drink? And all that stuff. They had a, I think it's called like a will of life, but it's basically a circle with uh, H. I think it might, the mind had like 10 or something, but there's like 10 different areas of your life. And what you do is you put a little area of like from zero to 10 of like how much you feel like fulfilled or happy with a certain area. And so there's like physical environment, personal growth, money, health family, career, you know, a whole bunch of different things. And I did it in there and it stuck with me of like, this is a pretty cool exercise to look at your life as a whole. Like you might be doing really, really good in your career, might be doing really, really good in your family, but maybe your health is lagging or maybe you're 
you're doing really good in your career, but you don't feel fulfilled by it. Like it feels like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. It might be a fun exercise to do just to kind of get a, a broad perspective of where you are and, you know, if you want to actually improve certain parts of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just to clear things up a little bit, I'm really toying with the idea of giving at least some focus to these habits or at least in the sense of thinking about, okay, you know, these are the big things that I want to accomplish this year and then setting up habits that will get me there. Right. I think part of my frustration and part of what I'm trying to change, I guess, over the next year in my work and and in my life in general is I feel like I'm doing all this training for this training company here in Israel, and that's to a large degree sort of determining my schedule, because they call me up, and it's very tempting, right? They say, we'd like to more or less fill all of your time, and I've been pushing back a lot. I've been saying, no, 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 you know, I'm not available these days, I'm not available these weeks, I've been doing other things, and part of that is so that I have time to do the things that will let me move forward in, in certain ways, whether it's writing, whether it's dealing with new clients, whether it's marketing, um, but I just need that time, and I feel like the time is already, in 2015, slipping away from me because I've already got things scheduled for them. And then it becomes this rat race of, well, now when am I going to deal with it and fix it up? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I am thinking about, and uh, you know, maybe you guys have good answers for some of this, is in the area of what do I do with the rest of this year? Because I didn't have any plans or thoughts or deep things that I did right this year that... You know, so I'm not trying to, you know, round out my year and accomplish specific things. I'm trying to work toward the things that I've already, you know, set forth as goals for next year. So what can I do this year to make sure that I'm doing things that are going to enable me to reach my goals or set, you know, set up my habits or whatever next year? I think part of it is just clearing time for it, right? You know, if you're, if you're always running between things and you're always saying, oh my God, I've got to deal with this podcast and this client and this webinar, if you always feel sort of pushed around, then you're never going to be able to sit and clear the air and concentrate and focus. Yeah. What might be even deeper than that, though, is not just clearing time, but like clearing passion for it. Like, if you really, really want to do something, you will make time for it. It might be that you don't have like that passion or that desire or that need to do that thing yet. I mean, you know, when you, I know you have experiences like when your back gets, when your back's up against a wall and you have to do something, like you do it, like you make time, you'll, you know, you'll steal time from things and even let balls drop that have consequences. But, you know, that might be something you might want to think about is maybe the goals or things you want to do, you you want to do them, but maybe not for the right reasons, or maybe you don't really want to do them. Maybe there's like society pressure or peer pressure or family pressure for you to do them, but you actually don't want to do them yourself. Like what is it, the uh, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation? Mm-hmm. One other thing I want to talk about, and Eric kind of mentioned it in the chat, you know, he, he was talking about dreams and lifetime to do items. For me... You know, I I hear about having like a three-year plan or a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, and I never feel like I have enough information to make decisions that far out. Right. So what do you do, you know? Is it just more, you know, in general, I'd like to be wealthier and happy and healthy? (laughs) I mean, I guess, like... (laughs) I want to be president of the United States. Yeah, I mean, well, go back to... I'm trying to remember where I heard it. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger had... Back when he was like doing the bodybuilding pretty heavily, like he actually told someone like his goal is to uh, become like a movie star or whatever. And look what he did. And I mean, now he, I don't know if he still is, but he became the governor of California. I mean, he's gone 
Like that's like a rags riches story, and it's kind of a, an interesting story. He he can never be president, but still. I love how nobody cares who the governor of California is. Well, I don't live there anymore, so I don't care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Schwarzenegger um, story didn't end so well, by the way. <laughs> but I mean, one thing I do is I have this, this is still in my to do list because it's I just put everything in there. Um, I have dreams, so like it's like a to do category, and this is like stuff like see the pyramids or. Uh, visit Italy or run a marathon. Like these are things like bucket list items. Like I think I visit space in here somewhere, you know, and I have that in there and I review that every week. Like I'll scan through them and it kind of, you know, keeps those in my head of like, this is stuff I want to do and I'll add to it and remove from it. But I also have seven or eight that is, I call life to do items. Like these are like overarching, like me as a person, like this is what I want to do. Like one of them is writing. One of them is teaching one is have like a happy and a great family. You know, they're very vague and you can kind of like, you can't really say like, oh, I've accomplished this thing. I'm going to cross it off. But it gives me a bit of like a theme to my life. This is the kind of person I want to be. Um, and I feel like those two things, I look at them all the time. Like that kind of helps steer where I want to go, what I want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, to a certain degree, I I have some of those things going on where it's things that I want to eventually do, sort of a bucket list. But... I don't know. It, it seems like there's at least some power in knowing where I'm going to be within the next, you know, so many years or whatever. And I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm really kind of thinking the right way about that or if it matters. I mean, how many years are you thinking? Like five years? Yeah, I can't imagine planning out any further than that. So from where you're at now, look back five years and ask yourself, could you have predicted that you would be where you are now five years ago? <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> okay, then I mean to me like that's like that's proof that like you cannot do that. Like you can steer a certain way and you can hope for things and try to set stuff up, but I mean for us like our brains just cannot comprehend. Like we can barely comprehend a, a year's time and like what can happen in a year. Like we are so bad about planning even just a year. 5 years, it's just like that's an intense amount of time. You know, but you can like I said you can steer it. Like you can have focus on certain things and if you keep coming back to like, we'll just say, you know, the public speaking angle, like, if you keep coming back to that year after year after year, you might not know where you're going to go, but you're going to be going somewhere that, you know, comes from the skills and the talent and the practice you put in there. Mm -hmm, That makes sense. I just keep thinking that it would be nice to be able to have that longer term goal because, and and I think, and and this is going to come back to even within the year, but I think to a certain degree, just knowing in general, I want to be in this place. And then being willing to change that. So, you know, if something changes, you know, in life with your family or your kids or career or whatever, you can uh, adjust and say, okay, well, then these goals don't match that trajectory anymore. And so I'm going to reevaluate and, you know, see if I can take advantage of some of the work that I've done, but, you know, make sure that I'm heading in the right direction going forward. Right. You know, I think that's part of it. I think, especially with resolutions and like a one-year goal, you kind of lock that in and a lot of people will tell other people about it and they commit to it, but they also commit to it so hard that like, oh, what is it? The the book Influence talked about it. Like I'm actually reading that right now. But you commit to it and you don't want to change that goal. You don't want to say this no longer fits what I want because it looks bad on you. It looks You look inconsistent, I think is what the word is. And so... 
having the flexibility and giving yourself permission to change your mind later as more evidence or more stuff becomes available is actually really important. And I think don't lock up a goal and say, like, I'm going to be doing this and be so pig-headed and determined that you do it and it's not actually what you want. Yeah, that makes sense. It really lines up with what I am after because you know, as I learn, as I learn about myself, I can make those decisions and I can empower myself to change my mind and I can empower myself to not feel dumb when I change it back. Well, I mean, also Chuck, like you would, I mean, it seems to me at least like you've been doing a ton of stuff over the last few years, like certainly in terms of the podcasting and getting out. I I don't Mm -hmm. know how much that dovetails with necessarily your business goals, right? It does dovetail with it, and mostly it's that idea or that focus behind, you know, again, being able to empower people and, you know, make a difference and help folks out that falls within the, you know, the realm of what I really want to accomplish. And so, you know, so the podcasts fit in there, but I'm not explicitly focusing on them because they're kind of automatic at this point, if that makes sense. So They become uh, habits. Right, yeah. I mean, I show up every week. And, you know, and you guys show up every week, and so we make them happen. Right. I mean, it's much easier for me if I can sort of get something in, you know, uh, it's easier for me to make a habit if I can fit it into my schedule on a regular basis, and there's no way for me to be able to move it. Mm-hmm. Often because it's up to other people. So, like, you told me when the podcast was, so, so I just have to put my schedule sort of immovable. Yeah. And that's good because it means that I schedule things based on that. Um, you know, writing, writing a book requires a different sort of thing because it would be nice if I could devote, you know, a certain hour every day to doing it. But my schedule doesn't quite allow for that. And yet I still try to keep sort of the, the ultimate goals, certainly the business goals, which is like the overwhelming, the, the overriding thing, but also then the individual sort of smaller goals that help me get there in, uh, in view. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that, again, we've been, we've kind of driven it back to the habits thing, but yeah, it, it really is that routine thing. And, and just like what you just said, it's just, you know, I just show up and I do it. And it's easier for me to keep those appointments if somebody else is around. In other words, when I want to talk to you guys, you know, I show up and, you know, you guys are going to be here. And if I don't show up, then I feel like I'm letting you down. And it's a different story when we're talking about things a little bit more like, you know, if I don't show up, then nobody's going to know. Right. And for that, sometimes you can use public commitment, like commit to it in public or having like an exercise buddy or whatever. But some things, I mean, it's really hard to do that. Like, I guess accountability partners can kind of work like that. I mean, even if it's like, yeah, I'm going to get up and spend an hour each day writing this book and I'm going to talk to someone for two minutes and tell them, you know, yes, I did it or no, I didn't. And then kind of get made fun of if I didn't do it or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's a bit harder because you're, you're actually relying, you're depending on someone else to do kind of the accountability for you. Yeah. Well, that's part of what I like about my mastermind that every week I have these other people, I guess we're five people all together and we, tell each other what we're working on, and I feel really dumb if two weeks in a row I basically say, well, I didn't really get to anything, uh, or I didn't accomplish any of the goals that I had set out to do. I want to be able to tell this group, yes, I have had another amazing week where I've done lots of great stuff. Yeah, and, and that's always interesting, but it depends on the mastermind group. And I can tell you that there was a mastermind group that I, uh, I was part of starting here in Utah, and so we'd go grab lunch every so often. And we weren't regular about it for one. But the other thing was, was that we really weren't serious about creating any sense of accountability for each other. We never really did that. So, you know, it was, it was just hard to, 
to count on it as, as some kind of an accountability thing. And so uh, with the other groups that I'm a part of, I'm part of two mastermind groups now, there's a little bit more of that accountability that, that goes on because, you know, we're talking about it. In the case of one of them, we're talking about it publicly. And so becomes part of the, the deal that we do what we say we were going to do. Yeah, I mean, I've even heard of somewhere, like if you say, if you commit to doing something and you don't do it, you have to like pay money into a kitty where that kind of goes to the group benefit or whatever. Or one really funny one would be you donate money to a charity that does something that you hate. So like if you're a Democrat, you pay to the Republican Party or the other way around. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do because I mean, as humans, I think we care more about avoiding pain than we do about getting pleasure for something. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, yeah, you might want kind of the pat on the back, like you did a good job, boy, but the pain is going to be a stronger motivator. And so that some people, if it doesn't work like that, I think for me, like I said, with the, you know, the pressure and stuff, I found pain isn't as strong of a motivator as it is for other people. But I think you have to kind of realize that. And mastermind groups are pretty good about that because you can really, you kind of got like this like social group there that they can kind of help you, but they can also kind of hold your toes to the fire. And what I always liked about mastermind groups is you can see what other people are doing and you can hear in private like how much they're struggling and how hard it is for them, but you can see the successes that they're having. And then you can kind of look at that on as your own of like, okay, I know I'm struggling, but I know Jake over here struggled and look what he did. I should be able to do what I'm doing. Um, and so it's kind of a nice, a nice motivator without it actually intending to be that way. Yeah. So I want to go back to your dreams list for a minute, Eric. So it seems like some of them are pretty vague and some of them are a little bit more specific. I do like the idea of reviewing them every day. So it comes a little bit close to affirmations for me a little bit. It's not quite the same because affirmations are, I'm a good person and I know I'm a good person and I'm going to tell myself I'm a good person so that I, you know, that kind of stuff. And and it just doesn't yeah. seem to work for me. It mostly just, you know, there's a part in my myself in my head that's going, yeah, yeah, that's a nice thing to say. So the dreams thing is kind of the same thing. So how do you keep it from becoming that kind of thing, and how do you make it into sort of this vision for your future? I think a lot of it's the way it's phrased. Like, one of them I have here is run a marathon. Like, that's that's what it is. It's run a marathon. It's not, I am a marathon runner, or I am a ultra-fast, you know, whatever, whatever. Because most AF, whatever they're called, they kind of go above and beyond and they kind of pump you up. These are, they're literally just big to-do items. I mean, did I run a marathon? Yes or no. Have I visited Alaska? Yes or no. The thing is that they're bigger in scope. So like these are things, some of them you might be able to do in a month, but some of these are like multiple month, multiple year type things. Like one of them is make a million dollar donation. Like that's significant. That's not something, you know, I can just start working on in 2015 and be done by the end of the year. Like that's, that's going to take a lot of effort. And so I think that's the big difference. And this, like I said, is I, I use these as kind of like a compass of like, okay, here's how I envision I want to be as a person. Mm. And these kind of are the guiding steps of like what I would be, what I would do. And it'd make more sense if you could see the full list because these actually all tie into um, what I was talking about, like my lifetime goals. So like right. this, the seven to eight lifetime goals, like if they actually break down the dreams, like the dreams are like milestones for that. Um, and like I said, every every week or so when I do my review is when I review them and kind of get kind of refresh them in my head. And that's actually what caused me to start running was I had a couple of running and exercise related ones in here and started running and started knocking those things off pretty quickly. And, you know, it started like I have a marathon and an ultra marathon as dream to do items now because, you know, I've made a lot of progress there, but I didn't have these two years ago, three years ago when I started. Hmm. 
And the other thing, I think because two weeks ago or whatever, like it feels really, really good when you can cross one of these off this list. Oh, yeah. So is it kind of an I've arrived list or uh, I don't know if that's really the best way to put it because it doesn't sound like it's like the end, so to speak, but it's kind of an out there, up there goal that kind of drives you toward excellence in some area of your life. Yeah, it's not a it's not a I've arrived. It's a I've hit the certain milestone and, you know, this is the milestone is a representation of all the effort, all the time and the, the practice I've put into this area. But this kind of gives me something to check off versus like a lifetime goal of being awesome or something. I see. I'm just trying to think about what mine would be. Because I do like the idea of, you know, kind of setting a milestone out there, building a pillar out there so I can see it far off and then just make sure that I'm heading that way. And the other thing, so one other thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is uh, the idea of like areas of accomplishment. So, you know, I've heard and seen people talk about this idea of having some different areas of accomplishment. So financial, physical, mental, you know, spiritual. I think the most comprehensive list had like six or seven areas in it that I saw. And so do you make goals in each area or do you just write down the things that you're really thinking about at the moment? Or how how do you go about, you know, kind of classifying and making sure that you're covering all of the important areas of your life? I think, you know, you want to try to fill it out as much as you can. So you're not like really unbalanced. But sometimes like if you're really weak in an area, you might not have any goals because you're just, you're not in it. You're not focusing on it. It might be something new to you. And so, you know, might have maybe one or two in there. And then as you get into it more and more, it starts expanding. And like my exercise when I come back to a lot, because it's, it's an easy example. I've, everyone understands like the concept of exercising. But when I got started, it was just like run a 5K and now it's, you know, run a marathon, run an ultra marathon. I put in chat, like I have one to run in every state in the U.S. I'm kind of getting into like looking at hiking and maybe doing mountain running. And, you know, like it started as something very simple, very basic. And as I had some accomplishment in there, as I put some time and effort into it, it's kind of expanded and bloomed out. And so now like my exercise, you know, area of life is a lot more full or a lot more advanced than it was five or six years ago. And so I think like, you know, you need to look at that, but you also need to really consider like, is that something you want to improve? Like maybe you're happy that that area of your life is very small and minimal. doesn't have much of an impact. Um, and you'd rather focus on a different area. Like maybe, I mean, no one's, most people weren't going to admit it, but maybe focusing on family isn't something you want to do and you want to focus on your career. So, you know, maybe you're not going to be dating and you're going to be like trying to do a startup for the next 10 years. That's your choice. That's what you can do. Yeah. The other question I have is that it seems like the areas that I don't have goals in are the ones that I don't think about as much or I don't know as much about. So for example, my financial goals basically consist of getting out of debt and being able to give away lots of money, you know, without being too specific about all of the different things that go on there and then being able to afford a particular family vacation or something. So how do you get to the point where you are more comfortable or more aware so that you can kind of create these goals in the right areas? Can you make that your goal? Learn more about finances or learn more about... Yeah. I mean, education is always good. And I think that's part of it. Um, a lot of the... I have quite a few travel goals. I got that just you know over time reading and seeing like beautiful places or some really interesting stuff. And I'd be like, oh, that'd be fun to go visit. And hey, I should put that on my list. You know, and it it could be like as you start doing the first goal, like as you once you get out of debt, like 
the process of getting out of debt, you're going to have to learn stuff about finances and that might open up more doors for you. And after you get out of debt, you might be like, oh, okay, maybe I want to start donating more. And you look into how you know charity stuff would work, how donations work. And you're like, oh, actually making a trust for each of my kids is actually a good idea. And so you put some goals around funding trusts and stuff like that. So it's kind of like an organic approach. The other way is I think like if you just read about famous people or not necessarily famous, but like successful people or people you look up to and it could even be like friends and family that, you know, you would like to have part of their life. Like you you wish you had like the success of this other person. See what they value, see what they do, and they might be able to give you some ideas. Mm, yeah. So one other thing that I feel like we should bring up when we're talking about this is the idea of a good goal. I keep hearing the acronym SMART for SMART goals. What, what does the acronym stand for? Uh, specific, measurable, uh, actionable, something and time bound. Yeah. Realistic, maybe? Yeah, I think so. In other words, if you're going to set a goal, like it shouldn't be, I want to be the wealthiest person on the planet and have you know, ultimate control yeah. over all other human beings. Yeah, it's, that's it's, it's attainable unlikely and realistic. To happen. Right. Well, at least in a short period of time. But in general, I mean, a, a goal has to be something, if you're going to work toward it, something that you can see yourself making progress toward, maybe not every day, but, but over medium and long term. And if you stay stuck, then it's just going to be extremely demotivating. Mm-hmm. So it really does make sense. I think the specific and measurable are just, you know, it has to be something that you can say, I have accomplished this goal and I can measure how far I've come toward the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, attainable and realistic. I can reach the goal, and it's something that is within the realm of possibility. And then timely is just saying when it's going to be accomplished by. Because, yeah, I mean, I can get into shape, but I can get into shape now or in 10 years, you know, kind of thing. And what does shape mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, lose X number of pounds or things like that. Yeah, I mean, you can follow the smart stuff. Like, that's what I've done for the you know, whatever past few years, except for this last year. And I think it has its limitations. If you're not doing anything at all, I think smart's a decent framework to kind of understand goal setting. But I think um, you'll get to a point where you're really limited by smart, especially because it's very business focused. It's very analytical. Like you have to get it. It's the, what is it? Is it Drucker? Whoever the management person was. It's like, you can't improve something you can't measure. And while that can be true in most cases, there are things that just you can never fit into SMART, but yet there's still really good goals to pursue. So, I mean, yeah, like I think SMART's a good first step, but I think you, you have to watch and make sure you're actually not limiting your goals because you're trying to fit it into this SMART framework. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think to a certain degree, this is for those accomplishments. Like, for example, uh, running a marathon, just to throw it out there. You know, you could make that a smart goal as far as, you know, I am going to run a marathon by the end of next year. But if you're looking at things, I think from the framework that you're talking about, Eric, where you're saying, you know, I am going to do these habits, you know, you can make those smart goals. I'm going to do this every day till whenever. But, you know, it, yeah, not all the goals really meet in there. And if, if having a specific goal like this doesn't motivate you, then it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And I think SMART, uh, it works really good for achievements where, yes, I achieved this, check it off. So like the, the some of the dream lists that I talked about or mm-hmm. you know classic goals of I've ran a marathon, like I'm done with it. SMART can work for that. But longer term goals of like being a runner, like th- that, that won't ever fit into SMART at all. Yep. All right. Well, we've been talking for, what, an hour and a half? So, uh, 
Let's go ahead and head main, into the main picks. goal for next year. Be terser. <laughs> well, we did talk for 20 minutes about how bad my bank is and how good oh. you guys' banks are. Anyway, let's do picks. Reuven, do you have some picks for us? I've just got one pick, and it's a kind of nerdy one. I mean, I do lots of Python training. I've been asked to do some more advanced training for some companies, and they said I should look into uh, IPython and IPython Notebook. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a nice interface to use Python and everything. But I've been finding all sorts of amazing stuff for parallel processing in there, and boy, it's just, I can't get over all the things I've found. So if you are a Python user and you've not tried the parallel stuff in Python, it's quite something to look at in the IPython uh, interface. Nice. For those of you who don't like Python, you can call it why Python. (laughs) Oh, Python. (laughs) Don't mock it until you try it. Anyway, Eric, do you have some picks for us? I got two. One I mentioned earlier is The Talent Code. It's a pretty good book about neuroscience, how the brain works, and habits and like what is it not creativity but like getting to like excellence of like you're an excellent soccer player or whatever pretty interesting just of kind of how the biology works behind it uh the second one is a post by kurt called how i marketed my agency so well i could turn away clients daily it's a nice post that talks about is that kurt elster yeah uh it talks about like five or six different tactics he's using and what's interesting is like i've heard all of these all over the place but the way he's combined these all into one like overarching build strategy or whatever, that's really interesting. And I'm actually following uh, his stuff like as a quote client trying to see like, how is he marketing to a client? Um, and it's pretty interesting so far. You know, I can't wait to get into some of the more meat because I've been talking with him over email about it too, but it's some nice stuff. I think especially going into next year, um, I'm going to be kind of trying some new tactics out and a few of them he's talked about on here. Very cool. All right. I didn't prepare any picks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a slacker. I did get the design for JS Remote Comp done at 99designs, so I can pick that. And I've been using Red Booth. I know it's been picked on the show before by Curtis and by me, but it's a pretty awesome system for tracking your to-dos. And so I'm probably going to be adding a, tr- a Dreams to-do and some other stuff in there to uh, try and systemize some of this stuff so that I can do it better. So those are my picks. And I don't think we have any announcements or anything, so we'll wrap up and we'll talk to you all next week. We've got the call-in show. Oh, yes, the call-in show, which is going to be live a week from now and will be published a week after that. So it's going to be on the 25th. If you go to freelancersanswers.com and sign up for the list, then we will email you and let you know when we're going to be doing that. Or you could probably follow most of us on Twitter or something and we'll probably talk about it when it starts. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for coming, guys. We'll wrap up the show. Catch you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com. Or on Twitter at MadGlory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the freelancer show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash forum.